Welcome to the podcast. It's not the best podcast, but the expectations in the name, so you can't say we didn't warn you. Alongside Northern Reg, my name is Jamal, also affectionately known as Deuce. <laughs> affectionately. <laughs> affectionately. Oh, man. What's Welcome to on, another fellas? episode of Not the Best Podcast. What's going on, boys? How y'all holding up, man? All right, man. Halfway through the week. Yeah. 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 That's fine. You know, we here. <laughs> we made it. Yeah. We're doing it. You know what I'm so what's been going on this week, man? What's what's not what's not the best news going on with y'all? Well, you know, first, you know, I, I think this is a very special episode for us, and I think that um, you know, we when we set out to do this podcast, we wanted to create content that was gripping, content uh, that was fruitful and beneficial, and I think that you know we're really going to accomplish that with today's episode. Um, you know, just teasing it a little bit, but of course, first before we go into that. We got to get into our not the best moments of the week. So what you got mm-hmm. for us, guys? Yo, man. Um, every day is a constant reminder of how old I'm becoming. Mm. Uh, just this morning, again, uh, I'll just say this. Like, I, I have really bad sciatica from, like, about 20 years of playing football. So I hurt myself uh, <laughs> getting out to bed this morning. So... <laughs> Nah, you got all the way already, out? Yeah, all the way out though. But not like it stopped. I stopped halfway. And it's like a it's like, you know, I know it's bad. It's like I've turned into that old guy. I'm like, oh nope. It slipped. Like, because like I know now. Like, you know what I mean? So I literally just, you know, get up regularly. I gotta go to work, slide my feet over the bed, put my feet on the ground, get ready to get up, and I had to sit right back down. Because I know right now I have to deal with seven days of this. Like it's like without fail. So it's like not only the best, like it's not the best thing that happened to me last week, but it's about to be the it's gonna carry over to next week. Mm-hmm. You gotta, so you gotta I'm just some. going. I'm I'm in mad pain right now. Get some dengue, bro. Some, some icy hot. Green my Green muscatee. All everything. I'm just gonna have to just you know mix together and slap it over my back with some robitussin in that. Because, <laughs> bro, yeah, man, this is no bueno. This is no bueno. No, man. I'm sorry to hear that. It's all good, man. It's all good. Um, uh, this week, this week, I mean, I <coughs> pretty cool news. So like the first artwork I, that my brother officially created, uh, he gave it to me years back. It was dated actually 2010 and I went to go get it framed, uh, today to get some pricing. I went to Michael's and they tried to charge me $246 mm-hmm. with 50% off. That was it with 50% off for one yeah. thing. When we went there before and got four pictures framed and it was like $350, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But then I, I was like, no, I'm leaving. Um, so I went to this other spot <laughs> and then walked into the shop with dude is literally like Florida man and got it done. He's getting it done for $70. Do you say Florida man? I mean, bro. You do have your mask <laughs> on. Florida, Florida man, man comes in all, Not when I walked in. He's like, oh, let me get my mask. I had my mask on. Yeah, all he did was put a brown paper bag over his head with some holes in it. Ski mask. Yeah, ski mask with the mask out. With the mouth well, he out. probably was like a 70-year-old Florida man, though. So, like, just, he's, he was orange, bald head. Oh. <laughs> right here, though. Like, with the saucer bald head. He looked oh, like Hulk Hogan, man. but, like, not as physically developed. <laughs> Oh my god! Fire! That's yeah. funny, yeah. man. And seventy dollars, so you can't beat that. You can't beat that. 
Yo, if Hulk Hogan is putting your stuff together for seventy dollars, man, you won that day. Yeah, um, man. Congratulations, brother. It might awesome, be like Fo Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> He's not Hulk Hogan. Fo Hogan. All right, we gonna have to cut that joke out. All right. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gotta cut that joke out, but it's okay. Let's yeah, just man. keep rolling. Let's just keep, Let's rolling. Just keep it rolling, man. I think so, it's all, I think it's all you, Deuce. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely. So, um, so yesterday, I um. <laughs> I decided to go for my daily walk on my lunch break, and um, on the side of the building, I saw a couple of kids, uh, probably around you know somewhere between thirteen and fifteen. It's about eight or nine of them, <clears throat> and they were um, there's like a little ramp there. It's not like a wheelchair ramp because it's kind of steep, so I don't know if it's for like loading or some shit. But uh, you know they're using out there and they're on their bikes and they're skateboarding and like jumping off of it and stuff. So. Usually I play them no mind. I don't know if it's the same group of kids at all that are usually there, but I usually don't pay them any mind. But this particular day, right, one of the young men approaches me and he says, are you Chris? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, nah, fam, I'm not, I'm not Chris. He's like, oh, do you know Chris? And like at this point, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable, right? Because this little, uh, um, you know, 13-year-old with uh, a milky hue, um, skin tone, you know, is, is, is uh, infringing upon my personal space, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> I don't know, Chris, but, you know, if you want to go inside, uh, you know, you can you can definitely go approach Chris if you want to approach Chris. So as I'm walking around the building, I'm like, you know what? This is my opportunity to... Um, to invoke my privilege, all right? Mm-hmm. So I call um, the authorities. <laughs> I let like them know. Security? Like the... Nah, I'm talking about police. Oh. You know, so I'm like, yeah. You know, <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, I put on my business voice, <laughs> my work voice, <laughs> and I'm like. My inside voice. Like, hey, um, I'm calling from uh, the Fairfield Business Center. <laughs> and uh, the inside there are a couple of uh, juveniles out here. Uh, I don't know if they're doing graffiti or, you know, doing some bicycle skateboard type tricks, but I'm sure it's pretty dangerous. So, so wondering if you guys can uh, come by and just check it out. You know, I, I know there's some graffiti going on out there. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you whispered that off as yeah, you were yeah, it up? <laughs> yeah. So, so the guy's like, yeah, sure, we'll come by and check it out. Mm-hmm. So I do my little lap around the building and I come around the side. And the cops are just leaving. And I'm like, I'll be damned. Like, <laughs> the cops didn't even, like, make them disperse or anything, right? They're still mm-hmm. loitering. Right. So I roll up on them. I'm like, hey, guys, what happened? I saw the cops here. What's, <laughs> what's, what's happening? What did they say to you guys? And they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we were just, you know, the guy, you know, he lets us skateboard out here. So we were just looking for Chris to kind of see you know, if he could let a skateboard. So, like, you know, that's what we told the cop. And, you know, he just left us alone. I was like, oh, man, these cops, man, they're just always harassing people. <laughs> I was like, yo, crazy, I was like, yo, yo, fuck the police. Yo, sorry, <laughs> this guy is crazy. This guy yeah, is crazy. Right. From, they were like, they were like between like 13 and 15, but it was like 10 of them. That's oh, man. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, they jumped you with their skateboards. That's bro. what I'm saying. I oh, felt threatened. It would have been like that movie Kids. Yeah, I felt... <laughs> You would have you know, got hopped and they would have, oh, man. Man, I felt like my life was in danger, man. So I oh, had to do something man. about it. So, 
I definitely Karen them. Man, calls a book. You went from Karen to Carl. You Carl now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carl. That's terrible, son. Yeah, man. Good so good for you. That's how that went. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, man. Yeah. So today's episode. Yes, sir. We talked today, about today. Yeah. So today's episode we've entitled "Daddy Issues," mm-hmm. and um, it's an important conversation to really kind of get an understanding of our experiences, you know, growing up with different father figures in our homes and such, and how those experiences uh, translate into the development of, you know, who we've become today as men. And for me, I think that, uh, you know, the idea for the episode kind of came from an episode of the the Yumi We podcast where mm-hmm. Vicky and O'Day were doing um, the card game that they typically play at the end. And O'Day pulled a card and asked Vicky, you know, what was a particular event in her life that she may want to, you know, erase or forget. So in my mind, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, I immediately went to, you know, experiences in my life around you know domestic violence that i had seen or experienced um growing up and you know the conversation between you know the the three of us and you know they included you know know, we spoke about some of our experiences and i thought that it'd be very good to kind of explore that in one of the episodes Mm -hmm. and typically you don't really hear men uh have these conversations very often and when they do, it's usually too late. <laughs> either, <laughs> either the cycle, uh, they've become part of the cycle and they haven't broken it, or they're on Ayanla Fix My Life, <laughs> or some type of ser- therapy <laughs> type uh, scenario. So, I thought it might be important to you know kind of explore those experiences and you know kind of just make it therapeutic, man, because you know it happens more often than not, right. um, and especially you know just having the conversation amongst friends and you know it. it it kind of surprised me how often it actually does happen and how many of us have similar experiences. And um, I just thought it'd be good to kind of talk about and explore and hopefully, hopefully, you know, it touches somebody. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess uh, I'll start off with like, you know, I'm looking up like, you know, you, you say the word daddy issue. So I just wanted to Google it and see like exactly, um, you know, if somebody <coughs> give like a, 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 a definition on it. I went on and it says on healthline.com, this is a term uh, coined to describe a person who has unconscious impulses and associations as a result of a poor relationship with their father, right? So, you know, you kind of explore what that is. And, um, you know, I think uh, you guys know my dad, man. He's one of like the best dudes ever, you know, and everything I'm about to say right now, let me preface with that, you know, that's my man, like 100%, 100 grand, this is my guy. Like, you know, but you know, that doesn't say that we didn't have a a, a rocky spell, you know, in in the beginning. Um, You know, pretty much my dad, I idolized him growing up. He was pretty much a superhero in my eyes, right? Um, I saw how family was around him. I saw how he was with his friends, that kind of relationship he had with his friends and it's all the things that I kind of wanted to where when people say, oh, man, you remind me of your father it was something that I took pride in. Right. Um, you move forward. And uh, I think one of the biggest things uh, we learned 
and that <laughs> is the biggest deterrent of it all is when you find out that <clears throat> your biggest superhero is a human being too like you kind of get a chance to see the backstage of you know uh your parents being human beings being just you know regular joe schmoes and you kind of get stripped of a vision that you have of them and i think that a lot of me wanting to be like my dad or you know just kind of wanting my dad's approval is a lot of the reasons why like you know i stuck out with football for so long um why i, I played all these kind of instruments and was involved in everything and you know wanted to be the guy that everybody liked because essentially like you know what what happened in my family made me feel as though like damn like what's wrong with me what's wrong with us and i think i built on that growing up as a uh a wall or like a major fear of rejection from everybody didn't matter who you were because at that time when you are seeking someone's approval and you're chasing after that golden word and you know i.e you don't get it or you don't get it the way that you wanted to or um the person necessarily just just doesn't know how like my father didn't have a father so like i kind of i can't blame him for certain things you know and I think that's the case with a lot of our dads out here um, that, you know, they didn't really have an example. And in turn, like, you know, I don't necessarily feel as though like I have daddy issues per se, because like you can go one of two ways. You can either combat that and be someone that, you know, continues the cycle or you can learn <clears throat> from it. Right. And I feel as though <clears throat> I've learned from it. And now my relationship with my dad has been top notch, especially now as an adult. But, um, you know, uh, we get to a point where now I can call him on his shit and uh and really have those conversations and understanding why and the, what i sought after as far as you know my dad saying yo bro i'm proud of you or son like you 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 killed that <clears throat> i got it another way i got it like i'm glad you didn't i'm glad you weren't you didn't grow up to be like me that's how i hear it so you know it kind of it, it it does it does weigh on me a little something like you know what i mean and it has affected me i think that's why i spread myself so thin and and want to be the guy and want to be in charge and, and, and do my thing and be and be loved, you know. But uh, I guess that's, you know, that's where I leave it, man. And, you know, I, I definitely know that I'm not alone in that. I think there's something to be said. I mean, it's nothing wrong with trying to be the guy that, want, that you know, wants yeah. to be loved. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it, it, it does boil down. Like, it makes you more aware, I guess, of other people. That's a fact. Um, and how you interpret how, how they're perceiving your actions and stuff. Right. Right. Um, so it's, it's but, not something. Right. I and and I, I agree with you 100 percent. Right. But, you know, the other side of that is sometimes you let people in too quickly, too. Mm -hmm. You know, and that can cause a little bit of a riff. Right. Or you let that people in falsely. falsely. Exactly right. 100 percent. You nailed it. You mm -hmm. nailed it. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of build this wall in order, you know, and I built it out of fear of rejection. So what's the best way to combat rejection is to just invite everybody in, mm -hmm. you know, and that can sometimes be, like I said before, you can stretch yourself too thin. You know, you give too much of yourself and you get damaged even more, you know, so that's, you know, that's where I think I, I, I leave my little story. But, you know, in, in the same breath with everything that that, you know, that can go wrong or will go wrong, you learn how to grow from that. 
And I know that like, you know, moving forward and, and you know, thank God I'm in the profession I'm in where I could pay it forward to young gentlemen that, you know, uh, need to hear that every once in a while. You know what I mean? And uh, I think it made me a better uh, educator and a better uh, mentor at the end of the day, you know? So yeah. I don't really consider it daddy issues. I consider it, you know, learning from daddy. <laughs> Good, man. Yeah. I can't let your experiences dictate you. Facts. Yeah. who you become. Right. One, of the, one of the things that you mentioned, you know, you spoke about how, you know, your fa- your dad or your father didn't have, like, his father in his life. Right. And, you know, my story of father, father figures is, is a little more, I guess, layered, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, and it really has three chapters, um, you know, one being my, my father, my biological father, mm-hmm. um, you know, the second being, you know, my brother's father, um, you know, who we'll just refer to as dude for the mm-hmm. sake of the conversation. Yeah. And, you know, my stepfather, you know, who mm-hmm. I consider my dad. You know, yeah. and I'll just refer to him as my stepfather throughout the episode just to kind of keep things clear. Copy. <clears throat> so <clears throat> my father, um, my father never really knew his father. Right. Grew up without his father. My father was the middle of three boys. And they all had different fathers. Um, my father's father was an actual pimp. Um, and yeah, and he, my father met him once. Um, but when he met him, he didn't know that that was his father. Um, you know, the story goes that, you know, one day, you know, he's sitting in his living room and this guy is just sitting at the table eating dinner, food. And he walks up to this man and, you know, as the man's sitting there, strange man, he's never seen before. And, you know. They just stare at each other until the man says, you know, what the fuck are you looking at? And that's the only memory he has of his father. And and he didn't learn that he that was his father until many, many, many years later after the man had passed. Right. And he was actually killed by one of his employees, I guess for <laughs> lack of a <laughs> better <laughs> better term. One of his ladies of the night. Yeah. Um so Never really had a relationship with his father. And, you know, my relationship with him was always kind of uh, more of a, I want to say, friendship almost mm-hmm. than a typical father-servant relationship. And it was kind of like, you know, I would only see my father in the summer and like one holiday a year. And in the summer, it was a little more, you know, maybe like a week or two. And, you know, my grandmother actually lived in the same projects. So I would actually spend most of the time with my grandmother and maybe a weekend or maybe one day during the week with my father. And when we did, we would just eat junk food and play video games. And, you know, that was really it. Uh, You know, he was, uh, you know, having really... I don't know if he really had many friends, honestly. Um, you know, so we would have conversations, you know, even as a, as a young, very young child about adult conversations that I look back now and I'm just like, you know, I, I, I couldn't even imagine having that, those types of conversations with, mm-hmm. you know, a child. And, you know, as I got older, like he would always try to like, you know, he was, uh, he worked school safety um, 
for NYPD and school he worked in, he was always trying to hook me up with like the little girls. So I guess like, you know, whoever he thought would be a good fit for me, he was like, you know, trying to hook me up as young as like 12 and 13. And that was something that was very uncomfortable for me at the time. Um, because, you know, I, I think that, you know, before anxiety and those types of things were really a thing, you know, before those had titles and names, you know, I was feeling those things, you know what I mean? So I didn't really know how to act in a lot of those situations. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, you know, as the years went by, we kind of, you know, different things came up to where, you know, I just felt like I needed to distance myself from him. And we actually went a very long stretch without talking, uh, maybe about, I want to say maybe about seven years. Um, and, you know, he passed away last year. Right. Which was kind of, um, it was weird. It was definitely a weird situation for me because I was really like the last surviving member of uh, that side of the family. Um, yeah. I do have, you know, one one of his brothers, one of you know, my uncles, but, you know, he's, um, he struggles with demons, keep it yeah. there, <laughs> you know, so he's not really in any active position to really make decisions. So, you know, having to, you know, go there and, you know, make arrangements and decisions, uh, you know, for a father that I hadn't spoken to in close to 10 years, uh, it was definitely a different experience for me. It just sounds rough, bro. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it was. Uh, I wouldn't say that it wasn't. And it's funny because in the moment, it's all business, right? You're just trying to get it done and get it over with, um, you know, and it wasn't until maybe like two weeks after I'd like finally had everything almost complete that I kind of like broke down at that point and really, really kind of let emotions go. And I think that, you know, I, I didn't really, it was hard to really have the conversation. I know mean, I had the conversations with you guys a little bit, but, you know, still in, in, in a different cold kind of place. Um, and then I remember one day, man, I'm just watching like college football and uh, mm-hmm. the coach is talking to his team. And then I don't remember what he said, but he said something that like really hit me. And I just started bawling. Like mm-hmm. I just started bawling, like tears just started coming. Mm-hmm. And like, I couldn't stop it. Like I cried for like 45 minutes straight. There's still something there. Yeah. We unpack yet. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's my father. You know what I mean? And you know, <laughs> even though our relationship was different than the typical father son relationship, like it wasn't a bad relationship. Right. You know? And I think that, you know, towards the end, I mean, he, you know, he had just did some things that I thought just, you know, were not, I don't know. Like, like he was like, <sighs> do you think it was more like disappointment that he wasn't the dad that you wanted him to be? I mean, I don't think so because I think that, you know, I got that from my stepfather. Yeah. Um. So it was never really an issue for me in that regard. But I also felt like, you know, I wish it could have been different or I wish it could have been better. Not really yeah. as much for me, but more for him. Yeah. Because I don't really think he had anyone right. to kind of just like be there for him or live life with him. Yeah. Know, I don't think he had, I think he, I only remember him having like one meaningful relationship uh, after he and my mother got divorced and they got divorced in the mid eighties. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure that he lived a lonely life and just thinking about that, um, you know, it, it's hard when I look back and, and like, yo, know, how does somebody live like that? You know, right. he, he retired on disability when he was like 42 years old. So for the next 
uh, maybe 15 years of his life. Yeah. Like he spent it alone, secluded in a one bedroom project, you know, apartment. Yeah. I think it probably goes to, I mean, just even the, just hearing you describe it, you know, I think mm. it speaks to the, the point of you with probably wishing you had more of a relationship with him. Right. You know, not getting to, a chance to build and get to know him. Right. And then knowing that, you know, you, that he was alone, I guess, you know, I and, and yet, the only other person <clears throat> you could think of who could probably be there to lend some type of support and be there for him physically would be you, his son, right? You. Mm. Right. Um, right. So I think, you know, maybe that's the part that kind of plays a little bit of a, that still kind of tugs at your your strings a little bit, you know. It's just it's just not having that opportunity to kind of mm-hmm. having built that relationship, and and you know, like not if you guys didn't have a bad relationship, but building a healthy father and son relationship, you know, like oh, the dynamics are different with each father and son um, relationship. 100%. But there are things that we get from it that maybe you feel like you weren't able to get, um, or that you weren't able to provide to him as well yeah. as a son to a father. You know, I know I think, him not yeah. coming to your wedding was probably something that you said was like. You know that kind of that kind of sucks. So, mm. well, know, I didn't invite that... him. So hmm? I didn't invite him. So I mean, I, he wasn't going to be there because I didn't invite him. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know, I, I felt at that point like the damage that he had done, you know, he, you know, the damage that he had done to actually affect you know my family, um, you know, that I, I just thought it was irreparable, and I don't think he really ever made uh, an attempt to really rectify those things or even acknowledge the fact that, you know, he had done wrong, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, I, I just really didn't appreciate those things. So I wasn't going to allow him to, um, you know, take part in, you know, the, the parts that really, the parts of my life that really mean something if you, you know, are willing to, you know, uh, do things that are going to, um, you know, damaged another man's family. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I mean, it is what it is. You look back and, you know, you wish things could have been different. I mean, I, I think I did my part and I'm just sorry that he didn't do his. And it's just sad that because he didn't do his, you know, he was, he, you know, he had to miss out on a lot of, you know, events in my, in my life, my wedding, my, you know, the birth of my child. And, yeah. you know, at this point, there's really no going back. So yeah. it's hard to really dwell or have regrets because, you know, those things aren't going to change. Right. But we, I mean, the episode was named Daddy's Issues for mm-hmm. a reason, right? Mm-hmm. So with that, there has, you know, we do, we should acknowledge that, that, that it has some effect, that it has some effect. You know, I mean, I don't think it's just like, you know, he just wasn't a part and that's it because you didn't want him to be a part mm-hmm. and let's move on with it. You know, it's obviously had it's it's affecting and we're talking about it here um so i think i think with that in itself you know maybe acknowledging how you can process that um in a healthy way you know, I'm yeah, not saying I definitely not the way to, the place to do it not on the <laughs> yeah, podcast yeah, <laughs> definitely yeah, not, not not in public <laughs> but no but to be honest with you to be honest with you i i have really come to grips with the the situation i mean I, of course there are things that i think i could have handled differently um, I probably could have made more of an effort. I could have been more forgiving. Um, you know, I, I understand all those things. Uh, but again, you know, at this point, you know, those are things that I can't change. But I do, you know, acknowledge, you know, the areas where I could have been better. Um, right. So it's it's not a matter of, you know, me just saying, ah, oh, it is what it is. Um, it's just, you know, again, after the fact, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And you understand, the, you know, the things you could have done differently. And maybe you would have done differently. Maybe you wouldn't have. But... You know, 
it's just sad that it is what has happened in the the way it happened. Happened. I think <laughs> I think I could probably like even learn from your experience with your father. Um, you know, fortunately, my father's still alive. Um, but just you know, our dynamics. We we haven't had a close relationship. Um, for a very long time. I mean, growing up, my father was definitely like the militant type, the rule enforcer. Uh, and, you know, like he, we had father and son moments, but for the most part, my dad was very intimidating. Across the family, my dad was known as like the guy you don't mess with, you know, friends. <laughs> yeah. Like my dad was just a scary man. Your pops um, is dope, bro. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's great now, right? So As he's gotten yeah. older. Yeah. Um, so my dad like, know, was All such a scary them. man. He Decided to leave America in 1995. Man lived here for 25 years, never like learned the language. Uh, he moved back to Haiti in 1995, you know, and, and pretty much like left me, my brother, with my mom. Um, right. We did go and live with him for, for a couple of years after he did move to Haiti. Me and my brother went and lived over there for three years and then moved back um, to New Jersey uh, afterwards. But, you know, like it's never I haven't lived with my father since I was 13. And even then it wasn't like I had my mother and my father, you know, that dynamic was not, when that was not there. I haven't had that since I was probably eight years old. Um, So, you know, my dad has been living abroad. Um, He comes back to the States probably like once or twice a year. Uh, So I've I've seen him sporadically throughout the years, but it's never like we've consistently seen each other. We've never had, and we've never had the relationship prior where we were like able to build and talk about things openly and like you know him giving me like he gives me advice you know the man can give advice out his ass but (laughs) it's good advice it's 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 great advice yeah i actually think it's it's stuff that's made me probably my open my eyes to i guess the world um Mm -hmm. but you know at the same time i think giving people advice and and actually showing through your actions is, is very different you know it's 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 hard to like advise someone when I really didn't see you like you can't just come every so often and tell me what to do you know that's it's kind of hard um and as, as I've gotten older you know obviously we get older and we feel like we need our parents a little bit less and less right we, we build those relationships with our parents as we get older because we learn to appreciate them for the humans that they are mm-hmm. um and, and appreciate the things that they taught us but um in my dad's case I think it just seeing him for the human that he was kind of knocked him a little bit off the pedestal for me um yeah that he had growing up being that he was an intimidator and the enforcer yeah uh you know you just automatically put him on in high regards but as we got older and then it's like yo you can't beat me anymore because i'm like a grown man i'll probably beat you up bro um but no you know like it's just you kind of left it, it levels out the playing field a little bit and now seeing my dad you know becoming getting older and his old age he's approaching 70 um and being kind of the one who's helping him here and there um support him a little bit you know not yeah. i'm not saying I'm, I'm taking like full care of my dad or anything but you know when when he's an aide and he asks like we I, I send him support how i can um so just you know thinking of that it's like i can easily i guess not continue to be there for my dad and support those and, and have that relationship where i can like support and still kind of kind of get to know and learn who he is as a person Mm-hmm. And him to watch me a little bit. Um, I mean, he was able to come to my house. He did some work over here, which I know probably like did him brought him a lot of joy. You know, to like, yeah. go to your kid's house and be able to like fix the bathroom and paint and do stuff. Um, so I'm sure that brought him some joy. But I just know in his in his mind, it's there's a lot of things <clears throat> where he wasn't able to like build that strong family union, that strong family union. You know, and and it's just to me, I think that's hard because it's probably me 
not made me want to have kids because of the great commitment and the, the great responsibility I think that comes with it, you know, mm. um, knowing that, you know, like you can't just get up and go do whatever you want. Like, you know, as much as my dad hated America, to, to be a good father would be to sacrifice and, and, and do what's best for your family. Right. Right. Um, whether that would be to stay here and buckle down and make it work in America or take your whole family and move them to Haiti, um, but not separate the family union, the family unit. Um, I got a question for you though, real quick. No, though, did mm -hmm. did your father um, have his father in his life? Not really. No, not really. You know how mm -hmm. Caribbean men are. I mean, and I, I don't want to generalize. Let's not put us in a box. Yeah. I'm not going to generalize. <laughs> You're right. I'm not going to generalize. But um, for the most part, in my family, um, you know that I'm going to scratch that part out. But we're not going to generalize. Right, um, right, right. Let's just let's just not generalize. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's in my mind, I'm my daddy issues are like, you know, I'm happy that even though he didn't play the role that I think the ideal father is supposed to play in, in, in the role of a child's life. Yeah, um, I'm still doing OK for myself and able to help him out in, in that regard, uh, which I think for him probably brings him some joy, but at the same time, some sadness. Uh, just knowing, you know, what could have possibly been. All right. Because he talks about it. And, and it's interesting, you know, when you talk about um, the enforcer and, and things like that. Um, and, you know, I guess in the, in the I want to say mid-90s, you know, my mom started, you know, dating again. You know, she hooked up with this guy. And um, <clears throat> I think that they had had some relationship back in Jamaica before, um, you know, rekindling that in America. And it was... Like, from the door, I always had, like, a funny feeling about the dude who we're going to affectionately call dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I I never really took to his spirit, you know, and I don't think he really took to mine either. Mm -hmm. And I think as the relationship progressed, I, I noticed that something was very weird about what was happening, you know, with their relationship. And at this point, I guess my mom is probably, you know, in her mid-20s mm -hmm. uh so i mean you know i look back at myself in my mid-20s and you know i didn't have any kids at that point but you know i, I just think about how how i don't want to say reckless but how how less responsible you are um in those times yeah and i remember like they would have like there'd be days when dude would just disappear mm -hmm. and then like I would notice these, like my mom acting weird or like not really being um, very expressive or social or kind of like hiding. And, you know, then like dude would just appear mm -hmm. again. You know what I mean? And then, <clears throat> so, you know, and this is going back to like, you know, the, the whole thing with the, the card game that Odie and Vicky were playing, you know, I always reflect back to this one particular day and before i get to that story i kind of want to tell this other story um so <laughs> there was a like it was right before christmas right and we lived in a two-family house in east orange and somebody tried to rob the house and they we lived on the second floor and the first floor the door was made of glass so they were they easily broken and there was a landlord easily broke into the house stole what they wanted to steal but for some reason they couldn't get into our apartment. Like mm -hmm. the lock was just like that, 
good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like seven years old at the time. So this is like, you know, right before Christmas. So this is in December. Yeah, it was the, it was the deadbolt. So fast forward. <laughs> so fast forward two years later. I mean, two years later, two months later. Um, you know, I guess my mom and, you know, dude had gotten into a fight. And, you know, I guess he, he, he came back and, you know, we had all the locks on the door and dude was just like pounding the door down, like mashing the door. But in my mind, you know, I revert back to two months later when the robbers couldn't even get in, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I have the faith of a mustard seed in this deadbolt. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's the project doors, bro. There's no busting nah, those down. It yeah, nah, it was two family. Yeah, it was a project. Oh, but the door was project. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a project door. And um and yeah, man, so you know I'm seven years old, you know, I'm talking my shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, get out of here, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> the cops are gonna come get you. Get out of here. And dude, like I remember like he must have been like pounding on his door for like maybe like a good like thirty minutes. We're calling the police, the police like almost never show up. Mm-hmm. and like i just remember like in slow motion like the door busting open and then like it's like a everything after that is like a fucking movie mm-hmm. like dude comes in he like just starts laying into my mom and like just throws me out of the way remember, you know, remember i'm seven years old at this point so now all these things start going through my head like what do i do <clears throat> so I'm like, you know, do I hit him in the head with something? Like, do mm-hmm. I, you know, do I go grab a knife? Yeah. Like, you know, what do I do? And, all, you know, and to have that process in your mind as a seven-year-old is like something that's like. Insane. Insane, right? But then I'm like, if I do get this knife, you know, what if he wrestles it away from me and he uses it? You know? And again, processing that as a seven-year-old, like the pros and cons of my next move. Mm-hmm. You know, and having to do that, it's like unfathomable when you look at seven year olds today. Like, can you imagine a seven year old today, like having to like process that in their mind? So, you know, you know, but you know, at that point, like, I just felt useless. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like, and it's 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 the most useless, powerless feeling you can feel to know that like your mom's being assaulted. And there's nothing you can do about it. Right. You know, and you're calling the police and we were calling the police for like maybe an hour uh, and, and, and they didn't even show up, you know? So the people who are there to serve and protect you, you know, they're not even responding. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, we could have been dead in there. And I think the police showed up maybe an hour and a half after he left. Yeah. You know? So in a three hour span, like it took three hours for the police to get there, mm-hmm. you know? So, then having to like live with that moment and you know just like a lot of these stories you hear um yeah you know they end up getting back together anyway right so the next you know three years of my mm-hmm. life like i'm spending every day of my life wondering when's the next time this is gonna happen yeah and i'm sure it happened but you know uh very rarely did i ever get to see it the way I saw mm-hmm. it that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'd left maybe two or three times after that. 
Yeah. You know, having to leave and come back and leave and come back. You know, we'd even get to the point where we've gotten places like apartments and furniture and set up. I actually moved to Maplewood before I even moved to Maplewood. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, apartment was set up and everything. And, you know, we were there for the summer until, you know, we, we end up going back. And <clears throat> I remember before we actually left, finally, uh, I was actually, you know, weighing the idea of, like, killing this nigga in his sleep. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think probably at that age, I'm maybe like 11 by that time, 10, 11. And I'm like, yo, again, as a 10 year old, having to deal with these, you know, ideas, with having to deal with like, you know, not knowing if you're going to wake up the next day and your mom's going to be alive mm-hmm. or, you know, and he was a truck driver. So like, dude, would be gone for like weeks at a time. And like I cherish those moments because I know that those were moments that I could sleep. And like, because mm-hmm. my room was in the basement, so every time like I hear the boom, like I'd have to wonder like, was that my mom hitting the floor? Right. You know what I mean. And then I'd run upstairs, and then like everything would be all good. Yeah. Uh, you know, he also had two daughters, so <clears throat> we all lived like, you know, brothers and sisters. So then when we left, like those relationships are just gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my sisters, um, you know, were gone. Yeah, yeah. And, and in that time period, my mom had my brother. Uh, so, obviously, they, they had lost their brother as well. Yeah. So, yeah, man. And that, and that was tough, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I was glad that, you know, we finally left and, you know, it was, you know, it was over with, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But even through that time, like, you're kind of, like, wondering, like, is she going to go back? Yeah. Like, is this not the last time? Yeah. You know what I mean? So... And I mean, ultimately, you know, we moved on with our lives and my mom, you know, got married to a wonderful dude and, you know, that kind of. Speaking of which, though, mm. right, I think because I know where you're going with this one, right? Mm. Because I think all of us, you know, like this was a pretty heavy topic as Mm. far as like daddy issues, right? Mm. So as far as that's concerned, I think we should round it out at the end on a positive light. I think all of us in some way, shape or form, right? Because mm-hmm. like I know where you're going with this deuce. I mm-hmm. want you to continue because right after that, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into something as far as like, you know, positive male figures that I feel as though, mm. you know, were in my life that kind of shaped it differently. Well, yeah, man. I mean, once, you know, you know, my, my stepfather came into my life, I mean, or our lives, it was it was something completely different. It was like an experience that, you know, we had never had, I mean, the three of us, me, my sister, and my brother, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, none of our fathers were, well, my father's probably most in my life, but their fathers weren't. Yeah. And, you know, for somebody to walk into, you know, a relationship and, you know, with a woman who has three kids and when they eventually got married, I think I was 15. My, yeah. that would have been my sister 11. Mm-hmm. And my brother would have been five. So you're talking about a teenage boy, a preteen girl, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like a kindergarten, you know, like, you know, like pre-K a first grader. T- yeah, like a <laughs> yeah. first grade, not even first grade, like uh, kindergarten. Yeah. You know I mean, so those are really like, when you, when you talk about. Joey was definitely a third grader when he was five, though, as big as he is. <laughs> big ass Joey, no neck. Yeah, man, but but you think of those ages, right? Those are all like influential ages when you start talking about like development, right? 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, of course, you know, I was older, just three years away from going to college. And of course, the, my brother and my sister got, you know, to more develop more of a, rela- a relationship. But, you know, my stepfather in my life has probably been, you know, the biggest influence male figure wise. Yeah. And, you know, he hasn't even really been around that long. I mean, today, well, this month, they actually celebrated their 20th anniversary mm-hmm. um, of marriage. And, you know, just learning from him, man, like yeah. how to, especially growing up and seeing domestic violence and, you know, you tell yourself that you're not going to be part of that cycle. But, you know, sometimes it's subconscious, right? Yeah. And I never wanted that to be the case with me. So I've always like really um, cognizant of my my tone when I'm talking mm-hmm. Like, you know, to my wife or even before that when in relationships. Right. And, you know, I was in some wild relationships before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Shout out to Room 112. Yeah. It's your Room 112. Yeah. Like, so, nah. yeah. So, yeah. I was in some wild relationships before. You know what I mean? Some some, some shit could have got out of hand. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, let, and learn, her, face. Yeah, learn her from my stepfather. You know what I mean? Um, you know, how to de-escalate situations, you know, when you're, when you're talking to your significant other, you know, and I know my mom hates it, but, you know, he always, you know, tries to make, turn things into a joke and make it lighthearted to kind of just defuse it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I know that, you know, in previous relationships that she'd had, like it would have turned into a fist fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I appreciate that about him. And I, I take a lot of those um, attributes from him mm-hmm. and, I, and I apply them to my life uh, in my everyday experiences, you know, with my family. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest influences um, you know, that, that, that I've had, and I'm super, super, super appreciative for it because, you know, without him, I don't know how successful I could be as a man in a relationship. Right. Right. I'm going to go ahead. I have, I've had over the years, millions of coaches, man, you know, shout out to coach Taylor, uh, back at the Mac and I'm wearing a t-shirt right now. Lions with a trash jaw. Know that, um, that part. And, uh, also, Coach G, King right. University Lions, he's the head coach over there right now. Um, he helped me out through a really, really, really tough time. Um, but I'm going to swing it back to my pops, yo. I'm going to swing it right back to my pops. Uh, the dude was, you know, I found out he was human or whatever, but a lot of his positive attributes I think I've attained. You know, the dude's charismatic, he's funny. Um, you know, people just, you know, all around love this dude. Um, and like me being older, establishing this kind of relationship that I have right now, kind of cherish these moments to be able to get on the phone with him. And like, I know now, uh, especially, um, that he appreciates it more too. I think, you know, he feels as though that he kind of missed out on some things, me being younger, um, that he's trying to (coughs) make up for nowadays. So. I try to spend as much time or, you know, with him or on the phone with him as possible, always checking in with him. Um, you want to talk about an influence he's been at as far as how he treats my mom, you know, how he treats the women in my family, um, you know, all the way down to essentially how he treats me is somebody that I, I still uh, uh, emulate and want to reflect, especially when I do end up having kids and things of that nature. Um, I, I, I want to be that, that part of him. Word. I think with me, um, biggest takeaway I got from my dad actually is just his 
what I appreciate the most, I think, is his um, willingness to do him. Yeah. Um, you know, no matter what, uh, you know, it probably didn't teach me much like responsibility, like family wise and, and sacrifice. But um, in this world, you know, like you really just have kind of, you know, you, 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 you can create what you want. So I, I, I respect my father in the sense we're going to scratch all that out. Um, so the thing I appreciate about him is also his perspective on the world. I think he gave me a very good perspective of like how things in the world work. Uh, a lot of things that we see happening right now in our current um, situation politically um, across the world, you know, that's something my dad always said was, was going to come. Um, you know, he was somebody who probably people called the conspiracy theorists back in the 80s mm -hmm. and 90s. He opened um, your third eye. Behold, you know, a lot of the things that, that he did. What'd you say? I said you definitely inherited that. Yeah. So a lot of things that he spoke about, though, you know, it, it's actually allowed me to be able to deal with the realities of the world and not be so, I guess, jaded or shocked when things are happening. Right. Um, there's a lot we can go into, like politically, I guess, even with this whole conversation, I, I think, you know, it just doesn't stop at daddy issues, but even just like toxic masculinity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as much as it's just daddy issues, I think we all kind of play a part in, in, you know, um, pushing forward that, that, that negative agenda, um, you know, those negative experiences. Um, so. That's yeah, it, man. man, I think, you know, I think a testament to that is when it comes to the quote unquote daddy issues, um, you can even learn from them or you can be consumed by them. So at the end of the day, um, I think all of us has, have learned from our experiences, from our fathers, our relationships with our dads. And, um, and it came in a lot of different ways, man. And I hope that, that our listeners, for one, can take something from that and uh, understand that like you're not alone if you got these issues, man. Like, you know, the three of us all had different experiences um, that we, we, we learned from. I mean, there's our experiences were probably pretty light compared to like some real daddy Facts. issues, though. Facts, you know? so, 100%. Like, you can't just downplay it and say, you know, like your daddy issues is just what you make it because there are some people who have dealt with some serious violence, physically, abuse, physically, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. you know, mentally, uh, psycho psychologically, emotionally, all that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think our daddy issues are probably very light in comparison to what a lot of people. And I agree. Uh, and I agree. You know, I'm absence just, of I'm the just... father. I don't think it's the, the, it's not the worst thing. Right. No, I'm just highlighting the fact that like issues are. But it's also not anything. the best. It's not mm -hmm. the best. Definitely it's not, not the, the best. best. <laughs> but, you know, everybody has issues, great or small, like, you know, um, and to explore those, you know, and to see, you know, how um, those have really internally affected you. And it's important to do so because it can answer a lot of questions. Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> that's the podcast. Like, uh, share, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, like us on Instagram at Not the Best Pod. See you all next time. <laughs>